Hey everyone, thanks for joining me today as we take another walk through the strange Paradiso. So I want to start off by letting you all know that the um, person that I was hoping would be able to come on and discuss what he has found as far as the murder of uh, President Kennedy will be coming on. Now, I'm not exactly sure, but it looks like he will be able to come on in November because uh, he contacted, I can't even talk now, he contacted me earlier this morning and um, told me that he will be able to come on the show. So that's something to look forward to. This person doesn't give himself enough credit for the knowledge that he has after years of research and looking into this. And once again, this is something that we have to put under the umbrella of theory because we can't prove it 100%. So I'm looking forward to that. And if you have any questions, I would ask that you submit them to me. You can email them to me and then uh, we'll be able to ask him and see what he thinks and uh, give his opinion, okay? So you can send your questions in to me at my email address, maybe underscore Maria at outlook.com. All right. So moving on now, this is something that is a bit controversial, all right? And it has to do with uh, Native Americans and the drum circle. The reason for the controversy is not the circle itself, not the drummers or the drumming. It is something that is said to have happened. I'm not exactly sure, but I'm thinking because of the age of the person who told me this, that this probably happened sometime in the 1960s, all right? Even though it could have happened before, it could have happened after. I'm, I'm not 100% sure. So it was said that there was some strange activity that was happening, and I believe this was happening in Oklahoma. But once again, I'm not sure. Um, so anyways, there was this activity happening. There were people who were witnessing certain things that could only be called shapeshifters, skinwalkers, and things like this. So there were quite a few people who were being confronted by these type of things in this area. So at the time... It was, um, I'm going to say, a rural area. There wasn't a whole lot around. There was a lot of um, forest or woods in this area. It had not been built up like it may be today. So they got the elders together and they decided that they were going to go out to this wooded area and they were going to take the, um, or make their drum circle, and they were going to sing, okay? I mean, I'm not sure exactly what it's called when Native Americans do this, but um, they were going to sing. 
It must have been maybe some type of a cleansing ritual that they were going to do for whatever these things were at the time to drive them out, to neutralize them, whatever the case may be. So they were out there. And I want to say there were probably in this area, there may have been four or five houses around. It wasn't a built up neighborhood. And they started singing and um, playing the drum, okay? And as they were doing this, the activity actually started to accelerate. There were things going on around them at this time, even looking like small fires were just kind of like setting them own selves just here and there, but they would always go out. They never stopped the drums and never stopped the singing. They were going to do this until they felt that the area had been cleared. So while they are doing this, once again, activity is accelerating. There are things happening. There are strange sounds coming from the woods, coming from the yards of people's houses, okay, which there were only four or five in this area. It was mostly just a bunch of nothing, trees and just land. So little by little, one of the drummers put his drumstick down. He got up, he left. And then another one, maybe 45 minutes later, put his down and he got up and he left. So now they're down to two. They're down to the two drummers. And then they were down to one. This went on for something like close to 12 hours. They were out there. As well as there was a shaman out there from whatever tribe it was, being in the area um, that they were in, it could have been actually any tribe, but I'm thinking maybe Choctaw, either Choctaw or Chickasaw. So the one drummer that was left put his down and he got up and he left. The shaman was still there, but after a time, he walked away, he left. And the thing about this that I was told was that they could still hear the drumming. They could still hear the singing until the next day, even though there was no one out there anymore. They could still hear it. The residents who lived in that area could still hear it. Now, um, when we look at Native American culture and um, just how fascinating it is, I don't doubt that. I, I know it's controversial. There are some who say, oh, no, that was just someone's they, they, um, imagination or they made it up. They wanted that to happen and this and that. But um, that's really not the only story that I have ever heard similar 
okay? Because there was another one that someone told me many years ago, and this also happened in Oklahoma. And this person said that this happened, I believe, at a house that was adjacent to where his grandparents lived. And there was something happening there also at night. These people who lived in this house could hear something on the roof, like something jumping on the roof. It would be at certain intervals. And so they contacted the tribal elders and told them what was happening. So they went out there and they also had a drum circle and they were singing out there. So from what I recall about this story is that while they were out there drumming and singing, and there was also, I mean, I don't know if the, I know that a medicine man is not the same as a shaman. And this person said that there were a couple of medicine men who were out there. He didn't say shaman. And um, I'm, I mean, this was told to me so long ago, but apparently during this time, this thing, whatever it was, continued to jump on the roof. So it would be like at the front of the house, it would jump on the roof, then it would jump off a roof in in the back of the house and then come back to the side of the house, jump on the roof, and then go to the other side and jump off. Like it was um, creating some sort of pattern. So as they were singing and drumming and the medicine men were out there, this thing finally just turned into a ball of fire and disappeared. And the same thing was said that when the drummers had left, when the medicine men had left for a time, they could still hear the drumming and the singing. Not only that, but it was said that whatever pattern, okay, that whatever that thing was that was jumping on and off the roof, it was said that had it not exploded into the ball of fire and disappeared, it would have actually have been making a pentagram. Um... Being that this story was shared with me so long ago, I was probably about 17 or 18 years old when this person told me this story. I know that there are probably some things that I have left out, but um, that is the, like, um, the biggest part of the story, okay? Now, I don't know what was... Actually, um, I don't believe that any of the people in the first story were experiencing things like that because this story had them being confronted with certain type of entities. And so after that, there was nothing more that happened there in that area, in that little community. So... I mean, when you start looking into it, when you start learning about it, 
My own personal opinion is that that culture, the Native American culture, and depending on the tribe, you know, it, it varies, but it is all just so fascinating. The stories that they have to tell and um, even how they got to the United States, the stories they tell, the vision seeking, the sweat lodges, the, I mean, it's just, uh, I mean, I could go on and on for days. I could listen to them and talking about their culture for days. So these are things that really did happen. I know some Native Americans now who live in California who uh, tell me certain things that happened to them on the reservation. And um, I'll bring some of those stories up within the next couple of weeks. It is, of course, different tribes, but um, it's still fascinating. There's still a common thread that runs through all of these, no matter what the tribe. They're another very, very interesting tribe. I believe they are up at the very tip northern uh, part of California on into Alaska that um, I used to read about many years ago. I'll be talking about them too in, uh, within the next couple of weeks. It is just really something. And um, it's something that I take seriously also. And these things that they say, these things that they talk about and they discuss have never changed. It's not like, oh, it's this one, you know, for this 10 years and then it's something else for the next 10 years. No, these things have remained the same. There is no change. There is no wavering. There is no, oh, that the story changes as it goes down the line. It's just uh, something that I, I really am interested in very much. Okay, so um, as we go on now, once again, this is something, and I actually had something similar happen to me when I was really young in some place that we used to live in Orange County, California. But anyways, there's a story about this person and this happened in Southern California. And, and uh, they were living in this house. Now this house that they were living in was a rental. And um, when you are dealing with rentals, I mean, you never know what the person has done who has lived there before you. Um, and I mean, this could have happened or whatever. This thing could have been brought in like when the house was brand new 50 years ago, okay? But these things aren't going to leave willingly. So anyways, they went out and they rented this house. It was a really nice house. They were happy to get it. So they're renting this house and they started hearing noises like heavy foot noises, but sounded like they were on the roof of this house. So they hear it at night, mostly in the evening, in the early morning. And the initial footprints, or not footprints, but the initial sound would be like a big, loud th. 
thud. They would hear this big on their roof. And it, they were saying that it, they could feel it, like it vibrated. What is that? So they would wake up with a start. And then after that initial thud, it sounded like somebody with big heavy feet was running up on the roof. Just running up there, running around. So they had somebody go up there to check the roof to see if there was anything happening, see if there was any damage. There was nothing wrong up there. Now, there was no attic. There was like a little space up there, but there was no one in that attic running around. So no one knew where this was coming from. But they would hear this, not every, but on most nights. You know, that's what happens to me when I decide to eat popcorn. I get those little things stuck in my throat. And I know what's going to happen, but I do it anyways. And I knew that I was going to come on and do this episode today. But did that stop me from eating? Well, actually, it's kettle corn. No, it didn't stop me. So now I'm suffering with this stuff stuck in my throat. So... Okay, let me get that out of the way. All right, so this, this is something that you, you can't live with it because now it's affecting their sleep. They can't sleep. And then when they are, like everything is calm, they're kind of afraid to go to sleep because they're almost anticipating this phenomenon happening. So they're having a difficult time. Now... It didn't happen for a while. And all of a sudden, what happened was, it was still fairly early, around 9 p.m. It was dark. It was night. They had all taken their showers. They were like ready for bed, but not going to bed yet. So they were going to watch something on TV. And the front door flew open. Okay, how did it go? Oh, first, the lights went out. The electricity went off. The front door flew open. And heavy footsteps came running into the house. But there was nobody there. Everyone stood up, first of all, When that front door flew open, it flew open with a bang. So there you are. The lights are out. You got no electricity. Now your front door just opens and you hear these heavy footsteps running towards where you are at. That happened and finally somebody called the police. Because it was like maybe we were so scared, we didn't actually see the person. You know, maybe we were so scared, it's kind of like we went blind for a second. I mean, you start tossing all different kinds of things around, I can imagine, okay, with something like this happening. Like, how, how do you explain the front door just flying open like that and heavy footsteps running? 
There must be something there. There's no way it can't be something. So they call the police. The police come over. There's nothing in there. There's no one in there. They go through the whole place. While the police were in there, the lights went out again, and the front door that had been open now slammed shut. So everyone is in there, and it's like, okay, what in the heck is going on here? So when they went to go and try to open the front door, now the front door won't open. It wasn't locked. It just would not open. And they've got cops there to witness the whole thing. How long had they been living there? They had been living there for a few months. And they started saying, you know, it all started with, sounded like something landed with a big bang on the roof. Then heavy footsteps running around on the roof. That stopped for a few days. And now this happened. Well, as you can imagine, because there was no one in there. There was no physical person doing this. What it was, I mean, I really don't know. There are quite a few different things it could have been. But um, in this case, I do not know what this thing really was. So they finally had to leave. They finally had to get out of there. And um, they said that when they contacted the homeowner, the landlord, and they said, there's some creepy stuff happening in this house. And um, we were here and we called the police and something creepy happened in front of them. The landlord didn't act surprised. And they did let them out of their lease. And I believe one of the reasons is because the police were there when the door slammed shut and then they couldn't get out of the house. So, very, very strange. And um, the reason that I bring that up about the house being a rental and, you know, once again, because we don't, we don't know what people do, what people practice and what they do in their houses and so on. And... Um, this could have been one of those things that someone either knowingly or unknowingly let something in. Because um, as far, I mean, I don't know guys for sure, but as far as has been told with this story, these people who experienced this have never done anything, have never practiced anything at all. Never done a Ouija board because they know better. Never did anything. No tarot cards, no nothing. So, I mean, uh, still, we never know for sure. But someone, I believe, did some some kind of uh, whatever you want to call it ritual, um, even accidentally, unknowingly, but um, let something in there. That would uh, not be cool, especially waking up in the middle of the night when you hear a big thud on your roof. 
yeah, uh, scratch that. I, I can do without that. Okay, now this next story comes from Madeline. When she was a little girl, she used to have baby dolls, you know, and she would put them in her little stroller, and she said she had this little buggy that she would put, like, some of the baby dolls in, and she would play house, you know, and all this stuff in her room. She had a little playhouse in there and all this and that, and she said that these um, dolls that she would play with, they were those dolls that when you lay them down, their eyes close, and when you sit them up or stand them up, their eyes open. So she said that she was playing with her dolls. She laid the one baby doll down in the little buggy thing, and so then she was covering her baby, and she was talking to it, and that the eyes opened. Well, being that she was a little girl, she didn't think about it. The doll's eyes opened, and she just told, she said, and when that happened, I told her, no, you're supposed to be going to sleep right now, and you have to take a nap. And then after she said that, the eyes closed. She never had a second thought about it. She didn't run out of her room calling her mother. She didn't get scared because she was just really into playing with these dolls. She said it never, she never gave it a second thought. And then it would happen from time to time. But with the other dolls, not just that one. And she said... In retrospect, the first one, the first doll that that happened to, she said once she spoke to that doll and said, okay, you need to go to sleep and this and that. She said it was after that that the other dolls would do that also. So once she acknowledged the first one. She said it's like, it's like, you know, then the other one, one of the other ones would do it. Then one of the other ones would do it. Still, she didn't think about it until later when she was older. And some of those she still had. She was like, I was probably about 13 years old and I didn't play with them anymore. And I would just have them sitting up like on top of one of her stands, you know, in her dresser. She would have some of these little dolls sitting up there. And they were still the ones that the eyes would close and open as you would lay them down and pick them up. And she said she started thinking about that because one of them, okay, this gives me goosebumps. She was getting something out of her dresser and... She had, and she said, this one wasn't a baby doll. This one was just like a regular doll, but she would still use it as a baby doll when she was little. She said, I remember it sitting up there. It had blonde hair. It was wearing like this pink dress, and it was sitting up there on top of my dresser. I was in one of the drawers getting something out, and it winked at her. Oh, yeah. So I got goosebumps right now, guys. So, um... She froze. She's like, I shouldn't have looked at it for that long. And I know I shouldn't have even then, but I couldn't help it. And she, she was frozen. She said, I'm just looking at this thing. I'm frozen in my spot 
getting something out of my dresser drawer. And then it happened again. Ugh. And this time it was with the other eye that it winked at her. Oh my gosh. Ugh. So what she did was she gathered them all up in a big bag and tossed them. And then when that happened, she started remembering about what had happened when she was a little girl, you know, and she never thought of it and the dad was laying down and the eyes open and this and that. She was like, at that moment, I started thinking about all those times that that happened after I acknowledged the first one. So her question was, did I cause something to come and fill fill that void in that inanimate object? And you know what, guys? I mean, something so innocent and a child, okay? And we would like to say no. We would like to say no because you were just innocent and you were just a little child and you didn't know any better. And even like so many grown adults wouldn't know any better because who would think that just by doing that, you could cause something or allow something to enter? I mean, really, let's, let's think about this. Who would just think about something like that? I know I wouldn't. But just because she was a little innocent child. See, these things aren't going to be saying, oh, well, you know, this is just a little girl. We can't go and, you know, do this. No, these things will take any and every opportunity to come in and do something like this. So I would have to say yes. And not in, I'm not saying though, in every single situation, are you going to just talk to your dad one day and it's going to, the next thing you know, be inhabited. I'm not saying that. But there are some times that it will. And also, um, my belief is that depending on where you are, where you live, uh, we're talking about ley lines, we're talking about portals, we're talking about even maybe the family line, that's when these things seem to happen the most. So when we ask ourselves, well, you know, when I was a little kid, I used to talk to my dads all the time. Nothing happened. Well, there are a lot more things that go into this recipe, okay, that allow these things to happen. It's um, things that we, even in our family, there are a lot of things that we don't know what family members back in the 1800s or, you know, 1901, what they used to do. I, I don't know. I could take a good guess because of some of the other things that have happened in my own family, but I can't say for sure. I can't go pointing my fingers at family members, even though I have a pretty good idea. Um, but since they're not here to defend themselves, I really don't want to do that. If they were here and I could at least question them, did you ever do this, that, or the other? I would ask them. You know, I would almost have to give them an interview at least to be sure and know so that we could act accordingly. But, um, yeah, that, yeah, ugh, all right. 
So anyways, uh, the last thing that I have here, guys, is um, I have some people who are asking about when I talk about keeping our vibration high, okay? And they ask me, why is that so important? And um, what is it that we do to keep it high, to keep it from sinking down and, and so on? Well, the most... I mean, for me, okay, when I start, uh, for example, if I read about something and it starts to worry me or I start to uh, have a negative feeling about it or, uh, you know, that, that downer feeling that you get. You may read about something that uh, is going to try to be implemented, okay, maybe your state, your city is going to try to implement certain things that you do not agree with. So you start getting that feeling, okay? Well, a lot of these things are actually done to have this effect on you and to lower your vibration because that is when it starts happening. You start feeling negativity. That's the first sign. So what keeping it higher is and how we do this is to not be fearful, not stress about these things. And uh, once again, I know that at times it's not easy because we're human and we have many emotions, anger, fear, frustration, hopelessness, but we also have something that's called a resolve and we resolve not to let certain things affect us emotionally, mentally, spiritually, energetically, okay? And that is how we do it. In other words, it's almost like we have to gaff it. If you see something and uh, you just completely disagree and you don't want this in your life, you don't want to know about it, you don't want to hear it, you just gaff it. That's what I do. I mean, that's the most effective way at the moment. You just kind of let it go like a uh, helium balloon. Okay, you read it. There it is. Now let it go. Let it fly off somewhere else. And as you go forward, as you learn these things, it becomes easier. And one of the reasons, okay, now you see all of, I mean, the news. Every day, mainstream news, even alternative news, all we've got is a bunch of... uh, negativity. That's the only way I can put it. Oh, banks are in trouble. Stores are closing. Mobs are rioting at the skateboard park. Uh, People are stealing cars and this and that. Well, you know what? Things like this have actually been happening for a really long time. But now, one of the reasons why it's being pushed into our faces so much on a daily basis is because there is definitely an agenda, okay? And the agenda is to fill you with negativity, to bring down your vibration, to jam your frequency, which in turn has the ability to interfere, okay, with your relationship with the creator, 
it's like a uh, somebody interfering, getting in the way of your signal that you are putting out there. And your signal should flow freely. But with all of this stuff that's thrown at us, it starts to be a little more difficult. People start stressing. People start worrying. And the next thing you know, your vibration is lowered. And that is when problems start. Also, once again, depending on where you live, has a lot to do with it as well. These things are attracted to negative. So you've got cities, okay? You've got a lot of cities. You've got places um, in the suburbia even. You've got places and certain areas where there just seem to be more negative things happening than other places. You've got places like the Bay Area in California. You've got places like Los Angeles where on a daily basis, all you get is just bad news. All that's because of portals, portals that have been open, negativity coming through them. And as we go along, as we go forward, more and more of these things are gonna be able to come through this open door. And the reason why is because they're attracted to the negative. So people in these areas, I mean, the, the rate of e- mental illness, the rate of um, even a lot of times physical illness is higher in certain areas. And a lot of that has to do with what has been done there, the portals that have been opened, the gate, the stargates, the gateways, call them what you want, where these negativities, these negative entities can come from, okay? So um, besides all of that, there is one other big thing that this uh, frequency jamming agenda causes. What it does is also it causes depression, okay? And um, a big thing is also condemnation. Now, it causes that, it plants that within our psyche. If, If we feel condemned, That is a big one. That is a huge negativity. So when you look at that, look at what that means. And then each one of us will have to figure how we are going to rise above that. That condemnation. How are you going to rise above that? And um, it's... I'm not going to say it's easy. At first, everything, okay, that we are striving to do at the beginning, it's a little, little difficult because we're not used to it. But as we do this and as we move forward, 
it becomes easier. And then also you realize when you're starting to let that negativity seep into you. You know it right away. You recognize it. And so it can't bring you down like it used to. As well as you'll realize certain things. When um, people say life is circular, you're going to see that also. There are so many things that are opened up to you as far as your knowledge. Once you do this, once you learn how to do this, it's uh, pretty amazing and then it's much easier. So um, we all, though, have to learn our own way how to do it. I know that there are people out there who do like workshops and who have uh, these meditation classes and so on. Well, you know what, guys? The reason why I don't, um, I'm not saying I'm against it, but I'm not saying I'm for it either. Because to try to take everyone, okay, ten, let's just say 10 people, to try to take 10 people and mold them all into doing something the way that I do it, that's not going to work. Because that's my way and that's how I've done it for myself. All I can do is put some things out there, okay, And then you guys see it, and then you do it your way. That's the only way it's going to work. Doing my way is not going to work for everyone. So that's why I don't recommend anyone. I have listened to a couple of people, and it's like, you know, while that is good for them, they're able to do certain things for themselves. It's not for everyone. And now they're putting it out there and you're looking at maybe 50 people, 100 people, all doing it that one way. No, we're all individual. We all, it's like, oh, everyone has the same fingerprint. No, we all will find our way. You know, we got that base, all right? You know certain things. You've heard certain things. You've got the basic. And you take that basic and then, you will figure out how to do it your way. And it takes a little time. But the most important thing at the beginning is to realize and recognize negativity. That is the first thing. Recognizing it. And then you're going to see it all over the place. And that's all you hear about. Everywhere. Negativity. So anyways, guys, that's all I've got for right now. Um, I, I um, thank you all for joining me. And the other thing that I want to say is I certainly hope that from time to time there are things that I say that you are actually able to use for your benefit. You're actually able to look into and that um, it is a beginning for you. Okay, and it's a beneficial one, like what we just spoke about right now. And I'm not saying this because I am so brilliant or I'm so wonderful. I'm saying this because I'm only here to present things and uh, to try to help everyone that I meet 
And it's not because I'm seeking any kind of glory or any kind of fame, okay? All glory goes to God, not me. We'll be walking and talking again soon, um, maybe Friday if I can get some me time or maybe Saturday, but um, just keep walking. Remember, if you want to send in any questions about uh, the John F. Kennedy murder, you can send them to me, maybe underscore Maria at Outlook.com. I love hearing from you guys. We'll be walking and talking again soon. Have a great day. Ciao.